listening to the Deep in the Tank podcast with Chris Kidwell and Sam Glover. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. The apocalypse is uh, is treating me well. I was able to go to the store last night and find ground beef for the first time in a week. Well, hey. Uh, yeah, we're going to have tacos, um, you know, like normal tacos with just shredded cheese and beef and maybe some sour cream not exciting street taco style tacos but no yeah no. get some onions sprinkled in there too for some flavor i did get onions uh that's not the reason i got onions but but i did get onions so you gotta get it man they're more dense in vitamin c than oranges yes yes well yeah that that's that's a reason to eat them so Oh man. Well, we're about what not quite two weeks into this, uh, since I, I'm really regarding Rudy Gobert testing positive uh that Wednesday evening, uh nearly two weeks ago, about thirteen days ago, as sort of being the uh the flashpoint for all of this. That seemed to right. be when we went from uh not really considering this very well to taking this very seriously because within a couple of days of that sports were just canceled Um, right like and that's uh that's very that's not much of an exaggeration Uh, i think the only sports that are going on that are notable in the world right now um are australian leagues australian rules football uh beyond that and so how do you think we're doing two weeks or so into this well, I'm doing fine because Mississippi took its dear sweet time getting the virus. And actually, in my area, there are still no confirmed cases. So we've been doing fine. Now, the west side of Mississippi, especially like the DeSoto County area, is like falling prey very quickly because it's right next to Memphis. So you have a major urban center. But uh, overall, it hasn't been that bad for us. Uh, Early on, uh, my parents discovered rugby. Apparently, that was still going on for a while. And um, for me, it didn't bother me that much because I don't really spend a whole lot of time in sports. And so everything's more or less normal for me. But uh, nation. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're fine. You're fine. But uh, nationwide, it's uh, we're kind of careening back and forth between mind-numbing hysteria and a very devil-may-care attitude. Yep. So I guess kind of normal in the USA. Yeah, I was going to say it's just a different flavor, if you will, um, as far as how we're treating this. Uh I, I've got a map pulled up in front of me. It doesn't break down by demographic, but it does break down by location. And I'm seeing here in Oklahoma, we've got, excuse me, we surpassed, uh, we, we surpassed a hundred cases today. Uh, and we have 22 cases in the County I live in. I live in Cleveland County, Oklahoma. Uh, and we had our first death this morning. Uh, and so that's, that's tough. Um, of course, you know, it, it's it's something where it just takes just takes two or three, and all of a sudden, it really just takes one. But when you get two or three in an area that have had it, it'll it'll grow at that much more rapid of a pace. Um, right. So, for us, we're still uh, not in a shelter in place order. We the our governor's not come out and ordered that. 
we do have restrictions on, you know, where you can go eat and certain places are already closed and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, our, our lives are very not normal right now because Kelsey is home, uh, mostly. Uh, and, uh, right. you know, last, last week it was normal because it was her spring break, but right now is a lot less normal. And so she's at home and, and, you know, I can't say I mind having her at home with the boys too much right now. That's, that's been nice. Um, but you know, I feel like if we have this conversation again next week, it's going to be a lot different. Um, you know, I, I think by the end of the week, the vast majority of the country, uh, the vast majority of states governors will have put their stay in a lockdown. Um, and I would not be surprised to see uh, President Trump uh, put the country on lockdown at some point soon, uh, putting right. aside for a minute whether or not he actually wants to do that. So, yeah, we'll we'll find out just how far uh, governments are willing to reach in in times like this. So that's always exciting. And I've got friends who uh, who are very activated about that sort of thing right now of, uh, of all things, actually calling for more government overreach. And um, one friend of mine especially is very angry that uh, Mississippi's governor hasn't ordered a lockdown or a stay home order. And uh, I don't want to incriminate him, but uh, he has some, uh, shall we say, newfound hobbies that make me marvel that he wants the government telling him what to do so and even beyond that more and more people you know what are they going to do about it what are they going to do about it so it'll be interesting to see how that plays in as time yeah, goes I, on. I think we're going to get to that point here pretty quickly um because i i honestly think if we don't do that let alone the 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 health risk. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it right now. Um, as much as I uh, would typically be against something like this, this is so massive. In addition to the to the health risk, which should be obvious um, and is probably enough of a reason by itself. If this goes on long term, um, the the economy is already tanking. Um, it will not get better quickly uh I, I was watching are you familiar with the youtube channel windover productions no i, okay. I can't say that i am uh i i would definitely give them a watch uh maybe after this i'll shoot you a video um but he he does a lot as far as analyzing different industries and different events and he spends a lot of time on the airline industry and one of the points he's already made with regard to the airline industry is this is already worse than 9-11 uh, was for the airline industry, and it's going to get much, much worse before it gets better uh, to the point where that's an industry that, you know, uh, a lot of companies just aren't going to make it unless they either uh, it, get bailed out or uh, I want to say uh, Robert Reich, who used to be the uh, Secretary of Labor, um, who's pretty far left on a lot of things. Uh, but Robert Wright came out and said what they really need to do is, you know, leverage their assets and take out loans with rock bottom interest rates, unless they do something drastic either way, whatever that is uh, there. Right. A lot of those airlines are going to go under. And that's true for a lot of businesses right now. Um, you know, right. we've the the local thrift store down the street from us, uh, a place that we've 
shopped at quite a bit and donated quite a bit of stuff too. And you know, it was pretty decent presence here in our community. Uh, local thrift store announced today that they're uh, they're going to close their doors here pretty soon. So it's uh you know that that that's the one thing that scares me is that if you don't have a shelter in place order here quickly and this lasts three months or whatever, um, then you've got some real long term issues to worry about uh, with regard to the, the the health and safety of the country with regard to uh, you know, businesses ever rebounding from this, you know, because I, I don't, I don't like the government telling me what to do. Um, but at the same time, I think this is something where you've got a lot of people who are, uh, if they're not told what to do, they're just not going to get it. Did, did you see about this church down in Louisiana that had four figures worth of people at it this past week? Four figures is in thousands. Yes, uh, I, I forget. Oh wow, uh, that's a... some kind of charismatic church. I forget exactly the name of it, uh, but they had over a thousand people at their services, and apparently they had them scattered throughout the building. But the idea was down there. Um, you know, we're going to assemble, and if uh, if any of our parishioners get the coronavirus, uh, you know, the pastor said, "I'll heal them." Oh, it's one of those churches. Yes. Yes. It's one of those. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm thinking to myself, did they not see the story about the family up in New Jersey where there's already four people dead from a wedding? Uh, did they, did they not see, um, you know, some of those kids that went down there for spring break and basically said they didn't care about coronavirus already getting coronavirus. Like I just, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that sort of scares me about this is, you know, it, it, in a perfect world, we don't necessarily need the government or even have to think about the government stepping in to even do anything like this because, uh, you know, because people would be smart about it. But when you've got thousands of people gathering together in direct violation of the CDC's recommendations at the very least, let alone whatever uh, the state itself has done. Uh, whatever Louisiana has done, and Louisiana has been one of the hardest hit by this. Um, you know, it, it, it makes you wonder if, if someone or something doesn't step in, uh, what's going to end up happening long term? Because it, it, it won't get better short term if, if something doesn't change. Right. And I'm just, I don't know, like I, a part of me says play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But at the same time, the stupid prize here is being dead. So there, there is a point at which my base level compassion for people, even people who I think are terminally stupid, kicks in. So I, I'm, I'm torn on it because, like you said, I, I despise government overreach, all that sort of thing. And I want them as far away from anything as humanly possible. But at the same time... Um, I just, I don't know what people are going to actually do. Yeah. Well, and, and the compassion thing here, and here's, here's where it becomes an issue for me. Um, in addition to yourself, you, you run the risk of getting other people infected too. Uh, that, that, right, that's where exactly. this is sort of a separate thing for me, because if it was just, if you don't 
do what you're supposed to do, you're going to suffer the consequences and it will limit it to yourself, then fine, whatever. Um, you know, that, that's something that if you if you want to make that decision, if you want to take that risk, uh, you know, the government shouldn't necessarily step in your way as, tra- as tragic as the consequences might be. Uh, but when it comes to this and when it comes to the fact that uh, people are going to make decisions that cost other people their lives, uh, you know, because maybe they do come into contact with a loved one. Maybe they do bring it back to their family or something like that. Like, you know, when, when I considered going out to the store, I went out last night at like 10 o'clock because I didn't want to go out when there were many people around. And, and sure enough, there were right. only about 15 or 20 people uh, inside of a fairly large 24 hour grocery store in our area. Um, you know, because when I get it, you know, if or if I get it, I say when, I hope that's not an omen. Um, but if I'm to get this virus, uh, you know, if, if I get it and I deal with it, well, oh, okay, I hope that doesn't happen. But the likelihood of me, you know, being hospitalized or me, uh, you know, passing on from this is fairly slim, um, you know, given my age bracket and given my largely lack of underlying conditions. But I've got Kelsey and the boys to think about. I've got her parents to think about who we still come into contact with, uh, you know, her family to think about uh, and anyone else I may come into contact with over the coming weeks. Uh, I can't, you, you know, that that's the thing is people, people don't get to be selfish about this because this isn't something you get to keep to yourself. Right. So. So now I am going to guess that as a result of all that, uh, well, I won't guess. How was your, uh, how was your worship on Sunday? What, what, uh, what did anything change for you? Well, actually that's a funny story. So, um, I was under the impression that we were going to have one worship service at a specific time. And then that was it for the week. I missed the memo posted to our congregation's Facebook page that worship had been canceled and moved entirely to online and that we were supposed to uh, direct uh, to get our communion supplies the day before, that sort of thing. And so I show up. I'm actually early for the appointed time for once. I'm really bad at being on time to things. And then I go up to the door and it says, you know, hey, all this has been canceled and moved online. And so I you know, pull out my phone and I start trying to stream it, not working on my end. And then I realize I don't have anything to take the Lord's Supper with at home. So then I have to go and get communion supplies. And I'm finding out very quickly that most, like my local Walmart doesn't carry matzos, which is the normal like go-to thing. So I have to improvise a bit. And um, uh, yeah. So that was, that was exciting. I'm trying to figure out what would be the closest substitute for unleavened bread in such a time as this and finding out that most flatbreads are made with yeast nowadays. That was disappointing. So yeah, it was, it was a fun time all around. As you know, saying you've got all these different recipes that I've seen floating around on Facebook on, on, uh, how to make communion bread on, uh, you know, it's like, well, it's just a half cup of flour or two thirds cup of flour or a cup of flour and some amount of shortening or olive oil and some salt because you don't just want to eat flour and oil. Um, and you roll it out and make it. 
Uh, you know, uh, I didn't do that. We ended up, we were planning out here at Bridge Creek on having a service as recently as uh, early Saturday morning. Um, and then I had already let them know, and they gave me the option, but I'd already let the congregation know that I wasn't coming in regardless. Uh, that I was going to stay home and participate from home and I, I'd be willing to do whatever, but you know, I don't feel co- comfortable uh, bringing, excuse me, bringing my, uh, uh, or bringing myself there and potentially bringing something back to the family or uh, bringing something from the family to services, you know, should we latently carry something or, 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 or what have you. Right. So, uh, that changed when uh, a couple of our members' kids or one of our members' kids who was planning on being there got sick and, you know, not, not coronavirus sick, mind you, but he, he wasn't able to uh, be at services. And we ended up deciding to, uh, to scrap our on-campus service, which meant that I actually ended up going to Bridge Creek uh, for services uh, so that I could live stream. And it was, the plan was for it to be just me at the building. Um, and there's a YouTube video of just me running an entire service. I stand behind a pulpit for nearly an hour and uh, basically do everything. We, we had good virtual attendance, if you will. I think we had 25 or 30 concurrent uh, viewers. And, of course, we're going to have more family members watching than viewers. And so that went well. But <laughs> um, about five minutes before we're supposed to start, I'm getting things set up. And I notice that one of our members uh, walked across the street, saw a sign that I uh, put up and walk and started walking back across the street, across the parking lot. Uh, and I sprint to the door and get him. And, and we've got a member who lives across the street, um, who does not have, uh, internet, uh, certainly does not have access to YouTube, doesn't even have a smartphone. And so I'm like, Hey man, come on in. Um, and so it was just the two of us there. Uh, with, you know, 30 or 35, maybe more online watching. Um, and that, that was an experience, uh, you know, uh, preaching, preaching to one person in a room might actually be a little bit more jarring to than preaching to nobody in a room. Cause I've, I've preached to nobody plus a camera. Um, you know, we, you have to do that occasionally I can, for, uh, I can scarcely for, imagine. Well, well, you can do that for like classes. I, I took, uh, uh, homiletics with uh uh with dr blackwelder freed and and uh that's something you have to do is preach via camera and there's not already always an audience but preaching just one to just one person uh is quite the experience and i told him beforehand i said uh you know i don't mean to look at you a lot but you're the only person here so you know don't don't take it personally (laughs) um you're my point of reference Right. And so it, it went well, um, but it was different. I uh, One of the encouraging things was to see, at least on Facebook, the church sort of pull together um, and, and post their services and post pictures of their families and, and in some cases, friends worshiping together, um, you know, to see that we're not quite in this uh by ourselves, that we're not dealing with this all alone, that this is something that the church at large, by and large, is struggling with. Um, and so I, I was encouraged to see that. And it also gives you plenty of opportunities if you, you know, 
if you wanted to go back and listen to sermons later on, I mean, basically everybody under the sun recorded a sermon this past Sunday. Right. And that, that has been really good to see, especially so quickly, because I mean, we're not exactly, you know, the, the good old uh, churches of Christ, we value our autonomy. So to see everyone more or less, I know there are some exceptions, be able to move quickly and to act quickly. It was, it was, it was nice. Well, and those, those exceptions, you know, you've sort of got two groups there, right? Like you've got um, the groups that still met in some capacity and maybe had people there who, you know, maybe had some sort of on-campus service, but that by and large streamed. Uh, And then you had those who uh, I think, I don't want to attribute motive here, but what looks like a pure act of defiance just still had services anyway. Um, and that, that's what worries me, uh, is, is you've got some congregations, uh, that think that they're being righteously indignant when it comes to, uh, having services and just, you know, uh, beyond going beyond that really browbeating people who, who don't go to services over the coronavirus. Cause I, I, I think there's a line there, um, you know, in Oklahoma, there's no applicable order that would restrict services. There's recommendations from the CDC, uh, but there's no national order against gatherings, and there's no state-level order against gatherings like there is in you know, Kentucky and California and New York and a few other places right now. Right. Um, and so you know, I, I think there's, there's a line somewhere, and having services – uh, at all falls on one side of it and having services and browbeating people for not coming falls on the other side of it. And, you know, probably 98, 99% of my Facebook feed with regard to this on Sunday was, uh, po- or were posts about, uh, about, you know, people attending virtually, but you know, there was one or two posts about, you know, how you're somehow less of a Christian, less faithful, not as committed, whatever terminology you might want to use. Um, There was uh, some of that language. If you didn't physically go to your services, then you're somehow less of a Christian. And and I think that's quite problematic and, and certainly doesn't do anything to help people. And is also just flat unbiblical as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Now the, the, my personal favorite one, I won't name names, uh, Again, just because I don't want to throw people under the bus, but a fellow that said, you know, we've got all of these preachers claiming that if they were ordered not to worship or if like that, it were declared like illegal to worship uh, as a Christian, that they would assemble anyway. Well, this weekend demonstrated that that was a lie. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure they're still coming together and worshiping. And again, like I said before recording, like, this comes off more as an inability to distinguish between different and wrong. Well, and it's worth noting that the order isn't to, pardon the double negative, not worship. Uh, there's no restriction against worship. Uh, there's a restriction against uh, gathering together in specific size groups. And I, I understand in some states, I think in two states right now, it's any gatherings of any kind outside of family. Um but, you know, it's it's not the order isn't against worship. And I think context here is important, too. Right. 
it's right. it, it's it's not in order to uh, try and restrict us from worship for the sake of restricting us from worship. It's an order in states that have an order. It, it's an order to restrict gathering so that people are protected. You know, when we made the decision to alter our services at Ridge Creek, we did so for two reasons. One, we did so to protect our own members. Um, we don't want to be the reason that people get sick and we don't want to be the reason that it spreads uh, within the church. Um, you've already seen a few instances of that, uh, even in churches of Christ. Uh, right. And, and, and we didn't want, uh, we didn't want to be a part of that. Um, the second thing is, uh, we wanted to sort of do our part, uh, in blunting the spread of the virus. Uh, granted, we're one smallish congregation. We've got maybe 80 people on Sunday morning right now, uh, fluctuates a little bit as people travel, of course, but, right. um, you know, do our part. Uh, that's 80 people who, if we're not gathering on Sunday, or if most of us aren't gathering on Sunday, again, we made these decisions with the understanding that we were going to have a small service at first and that changed. Um, but if most of us aren't gathering for a lot of people, for a lot of, for a lot of people that would have been at services, that would have been the only time that they would have left their house uh, outside of maybe going grocery shopping. There's, there's, we've got a few uh, healthcare workers, a few grocery store workers, and and one uh, resident neurosurgeon who has been invaluable uh, during this time. Um, but we wanted to sort of do our part, uh, and you know the the thing with certain congregations sort of acting in defiance, as far as I can tell. Uh, they're not representing themselves well in the community. Uh, you know, we, we don't care what's best for the community. We're going to do this thing that we've done at this particular time with these people because that's the way we've always done it. And no one is saying that they they prefer this. I've seen very little about uh, preferring being online. It's not a question of heart or desire or anything like that. It's a question of trying to figure out uh, what's best in our particular situations. Um, right. And that that's what bothers me about this whole thing is you've got a few members, a few congregations who just just don't care is what it feels like. I, I and I don't want to attribute motive again. I think I've said that three times now, but it really feels like that. And that really bothers me. Yeah, the and the thing is, what I've seen, it's not even like congregations as it is as much as it is. Uh, preachers with particularly strong personalities and as a resident expert on strong personalities having one myself like the goofball kind of cynic in me says like are you a preacher that gets paid like weekly and you're not going to get paid this week if we don't like, if y'all don't assemble like what's going on here and obviously i don't actually think that's what's going on i'm not so petty as to think money is what's keeping these people acting this way but I, I really, like I said, it's just some people and we are just as susceptible to it. Um, we get our alarms crossed sometimes. And so things that shouldn't really set off our alarms end up setting them off. And I really just keep coming back to that inability to distinguish between different and wrong. At least for me, that's where I keep coming back to. Yeah, I, you know, there's a uh, there's an article floating around 
Um, it was originally posted by Jeremy Beller, and then uh, it was written and posted by Jeremy Beller, and then the Christian Chronicle picked it up. Uh, Jeremy Beller is a preacher uh, local to our area here. He actually spoke at Bridge Creek a couple of weeks ago. Um, he, it's the first time this Sunday I've been at Bridge Creek, or this year I've been at Bridge Creek on a Sunday and not spoken. Um, and it's uh, uh, it, the title of the article, uh, you ought to read it if you haven't already, but the Christian Chronicle put it out. Um, amid coronavirus pandemic, a theology for not assembling. Um, and it, it gives a very robust defense of basically why it's all right that we're not gathering together physically uh, it, during this breakout and why, in many cases, it's probably best uh, that we're gathering virtually and, and the good that that can do and the good that's coming from that. Um, you know, that, that it's something that I think in some cases there is some genuine ignorance. Um, you know, some of that stems from a really, really bad understanding of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, uh, where we, we put such, and we've historically done this, we focused so much on the idea of neglecting, uh, uh, neglecting our assembly as being, you know, well, if you don't come and you're not sick, uh, then, you know, you're sinning, right? That, that being sick is the only excuse. And, and by and large, I, I, I think the church, at least most Christians, uh, have struggled, uh, at least at different points in their lives with, you know, maybe abstaining from services for wrong reasons. And, and we've needed to preach that lesson to people, but in doing so, we've sort of missed the message that's there about why we're gathering together uh, and maybe when it would be okay for us to alter how we gather together to begin with. Um, and so if you haven't read that, uh, that, that article is great. Uh, and like I said, you know, Jeremy's local to here, so I might be a little bit biased. Um, but he's, uh, he's, you know, I think it's well worth the read. Uh, and might, might be helpful, you know, if you're listening and you're in a situation where you've got people who are struggling with the concept of not being here. I've, I've talked to a few of our members at Bridge Creek about this. And if you're struggling with the concept of not being here, whether or not your congregation's doing the right thing, I'd encourage you to, to take a look at it. It's a, it's an excellent article. And I think he, he sums it up quite eloquently uh, in a way that, you know, most people are going to be able to access. Right. And just looking at it, like, it, it seems like it'll be a good help. And of course, it's easily available. I'm not getting bludgeoned to death with requests to pay to see the full article. So that's nice. Everyone's favorite flavor is free. And free and good, very nice. The, uh, the Christian Chronicle, by the way, has done a pretty excellent job of covering this uh, with regard to the church. Um, you look at their homepage and it's uh, it's just inundated mostly with uh, uh, with coronavirus related stuff. Um, you know, there's there's a few opinion pieces on here, but it's it's mostly just coverage. And, and I think, you know, a lot of it's going to be helpful. And a lot of it's just a reminder that, you know, you're not dealing with this by yourself. Your congregation's not the only one making these difficult decisions. Um, and so... Uh, you know, and that even if you've got a member who's tested positive for coronavirus, uh, and there's been a few congregations out here who have had members test positive, um, even maybe you're an elder in that position and you're 
dealing with a member who's tested positive and dealing with all the ramifications of that, you're not alone in doing that either. Um, you know, I, I think there's some comfort to be had in realizing that you're not by yourself and dealing with these things. Uh, and I think the Christian Chronicle, I think Facebook by and large, at least on Sunday, uh, has been helpful with these things. I think most people get it. Um, I, I just, you know, you've got a few who don't get it, who are very loud. Uh, and that can be discouraging, especially, um, especially to people who are struggling with the fact that we're not assembly, who aren't necessarily vocally disagreeing, who are maybe submitting to their elderships, uh, even though quietly they, they wouldn't have made the same decision, um, but who are struggling. And those, those people who are loud, uh, who are loudly incorrect, as far as I can tell, um, are discouraging. And, and I think people would do well to realize that that's a minority uh, and that most people understand why we're doing what we're doing. Definitely. And especially that whole idea of being loudly incorrect. Um, it's very easy when you have someone screaming in your face, physically or digitally, to kind of be shaken up by that and to wonder, well, am I wrong? And the advantage of it being digital is you don't have to respond immediately. You can step back and actually assess what is being said rather than how it's being said. So. Really, I think now would be especially a beneficial time to just pull back, to wait, to when someone responds angrily to your first response be, you know what, I'm going to pray about that and think about it. Yeah, I, you know, there's some, there are some patience that a lot of people I think would do well to observe, like you said, although... Uh, admittedly, that's a little bit more difficult if you've got cabin fever, you just look you're just happy to jump at whatever chance you have to do much of anything. Um, you know, uh, but you know, to pray and think about it and, and also to be productive, like to actually go out and not go out in a physical sense here, but to, to do other things, um, you know, to check in on people instead of worrying so much about, um, you know, someone getting angry and how to respond to that. You've got people you can check in on to, to call up. Um, you know, it's something where I've made a point of saying this earlier in the week, and uh, I, I hope people understand this and pick this up because we're, we're not halfway through this yet. This is going to keep going. Um, we've got, at the bare minimum, another few weeks of this, if not at least a, a couple of months. But when it comes to social distancing I, you know we don't necessarily need to be socially distant we need to be physically distant um you know i i don't need to be within six feet of you for 10 plus minutes and whatnot we don't need to have these gatherings we need to be careful about when we go out where we're going that sort of thing um but when it comes to that I think one thing that we need to do, we need to make a point of doing through this is to get in touch with people. There's a lot of people who are going to be, there's a lot of people who are going to be hurting uh, through this whole process. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are completely isolated. Quarantining in their home means that they're by themselves uh, day after day after day. uh, and, And there may only be one person in the home. Uh, for others, you've got people who are struggling with financial difficulties, um, you know, 
uh, I'm in a position, thankfully, and Kelsey's in a position, thankfully, to where at least early on in this, uh, we shouldn't be too affected uh, by uh, by what's going on financially. That that of course could change. I'm not naive enough to think that it it won't change, but. Uh, we're in a position to where we don't really have to worry about our jobs not paying us or something like that. Uh, but that's not the case for a lot of people right now. Um, a lot of people at the end of like next week, once the end of the month runs out, um, they're not really sure where their next check is coming from. Right. Uh, you know, and so checking in on those people, seeing what you can do for them, um, you know, and, and still others, you got people who are, scared to death because of this virus uh you've got people who are um maybe they need particular medical treatments week in and week out for unrelated issues that are having difficulty with that or are fearful that they're going to contract the virus because of the need to go out and seek those treatments well whatever it might be um you know it's something where we don't have to sit we don't have to be disconnected uh from each other uh, granted, I, I don't need to go to your house. You don't need to go to mine, that sort of thing. Well, you um, definitely don't need to go to mine, and I don't definitely don't need to go to yours. I can't afford the gas to get to your house right now. Yeah. Well, no, I bet you can. Have you seen how cheap gas has gotten? Well, it's not that it's not cheap. It's that I don't have income right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I, I was going to say, I, uh, I filled up. Sunday and Kelsey filled up, I think yesterday, I think right. she paid, I think she paid a dollar 39 a gallon to fill up. Right. Wow. Which, it, you know, let me check, uh, let me check local gas prices. Yeah. Cause in some places it's projected to get under a dollar and that's wild. That's crazy talk. I think we might be here in Oklahoma by the end of the month. Um, it's, uh, it, it is plummeted. It was nearly $2 a gallon. Uh, and then you had a combination of a couple of things hit, right? You had, uh, obviously, this coronavirus outbreak. If people aren't traveling, um, then oil prices drop, gas prices drop, right? And that's both uh, with regard to airlines and with regard to passenger vehicles, you know, cars, automobiles, whatnot. Right. Um, but then you've also got a, uh, you've also got something of a price war going on in, in the Middle East between uh Saudi Arabia and Russia, you know, you've got a war going on in OPEC and I'm not going to pretend to know all the intricacies of that. All I know is that the, the, excuse me, the cost being driven down is not um, simply coronavirus related. It's, there's more to it than that. Right. And like flooding, I want to say that there was an attempt to flood the market with oil recently, but again, I don't know the ins and outs about that. I just know that gas taxes and things like that drive prices up okay lowest in our area is a dollar 58 which is still yeah. which is still very inexpensive yeah it's uh it's very cheap gas i mean it would have been very cheap gas here you know a month ago right but so much so much has changed i mean you know you a week ago people were driving everywhere because they were driving especially to like supermarkets to stock up on stuff, um, you know, try and find toilet paper, that sort of thing. And now, um, and now you, you don't hardly see anyone on the streets. Uh, 
Oklahoma is expected to cancel all in-classroom instruction for the rest of the year tomorrow. That that decision should be handed down officially tomorrow. Now, is that um, gonna, I assume that's rest of the academic year, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Rest of the academic year. It's not clear uh, what role uh, the internet is going to play in sort of subsidizing that lack of instruction. Um you know, it, it might be that Kelsey starts teaching online, although that won't start until the first full week in April. They've ordered a complete shutdown of schools through uh, like April 5th, I think it is. Right. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting to see uh, the impact that it's having because, I mean, you can, you can go get gas super cheap right now and drive nowhere because, you know, unless you're going to the grocery store, which for me, I've got... I probably have four or five within a mile and a half of me that are reasonable. Um, uh, you know, more is basically just suburban Oklahoma city. Uh, you know, because of that, um, it's, I, I fill up on gas and that one tank of gas might last me, you know, a month, a month and a half. Like it's, it's, you know, and that's assuming that I drive to Bridge Creek's building for services every Sunday. Otherwise, it might last me, the tank that I filled up on on Sunday might last me through the entire outbreak, no matter how long it is. Right, man. Then you have to worry about it. Uh, I want to say that uh, gasoline will gelatinize if it sits long enough. So, and, and I'm not sure that a month is going to be long enough, though. Um, oh no, no! This is the panic I want to push. Of like, you have to like run your engine at least five minutes a day. Well, you know, it's uh, maybe maybe go sit in the car, turn it on, and uh, listen to music, uh, just to be able to say you got out of the house a little bit. Right. So. There. That's that is our response to this pandemic. Just just idle your car a couple minutes a day for a change of scenery. Yeah, you know, you uh, you can keep destroying uh. You, you can keep contributing to climate change in the process, right? Yes. Yeah. I want, this, I want the ozone layer destroyed by the end of this outbreak. Yeah. That's uh. it. That's it. That's, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's something where with, with this, uh, with everything that's changing, one of the things I'm interested to see, and uh, I may end up writing on this in the next day or so, um, is what's going to change on the other side of this. Um, you know, what's going to be totally different from from what it was a month ago. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen to certain industries. I think cruise lines are, by and large, going to die after this. Um, Good. Well, because even if the government does give bailouts to certain companies and that certain that's certainly on the table. Right. Um, I don't know that cruise lines are going to be up there. They don't, they don't fly their ships under American flags. Uh, uh, they do that for tax reasons and whatnot, but um, you know, that may be a stipulation of them uh, actually uh, of them actually getting bailed out is, uh, is them changing the registration of their ships to uh, USA. And if that's the case, uh, many of them, either won't be able to operate or will be able to operate at profit margins so thin that it's not the lucrative business that it's been in the past. Um, right. You know, and, and that, that I think would be the most drastic change is to see an entire industry killed off. But I mean, we're seeing some changes now with regard to like how we consume entertainment. Um, 
you know, you've got a few movies uh, that either came out during the uh, or came out right before the pandemic or uh, were planning on coming out like now uh, that are going straight to digital. Um, you've got three movies. I think it's Emma, uh, The Invisible Man, and I think it's The Hunt. Um, all three of those you can rent in your home for, I think it's $20. Uh, and Onward, the Disney Pixar film, you can actually buy the digital copy for 20 bucks, and it'll be on Disney Plus before Kelsey actually goes back to school. Um, or, quote, goes back to school before she's able to start uh, offering instruction again. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm thinking about that in the back of my head. Um, on the one hand, a, a few of those I wouldn't mind see, seeing in theaters. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 is coming out here pretty quickly. It may go straight to digital. Uh, I, I, I'm saying this by the time you hear it, it may have been delayed. It may have been pushed back. Something may have changed with it. But, um, you know, with that, I would have liked to go see that in theaters. At the same time, for Kelsey and I to go to the theater, uh, it would have been like, I don't know, 40 bucks maybe. And then if we want to get concessions or our, our theater actually has a full service restaurant in it, uh, and a lot of the seats are recliners with a little table on it. And so you can actually just eat a full meal while you're eat while you're watching your movie. Um, but that gets very expensive. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. uh, that can turn into, you know, $70 and $80 a night real quick. And, you know, for like onward, you can imagine like a family of four trying to go see a Disney Pixar film with concessions. They're spending over a hundred dollars on movies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. E- each time they go out. Uh, it, it's a $100 trip. And so the thought of spending $20, maybe not getting it, uh, maybe not being able to go see it in theaters, but um, the ability to uh, watch it as a family as soon as it comes out, you know, make food at the house, food that's arguably better, not arguably, inarguably better than the concessions you would have gotten, uh, and maybe spend $40 to watch a brand new movie, to own a brand new movie at the house, uh, in some cases, you know, that it's something that I'll be curious to see if that's sort of a long-term option. I don't think theaters are going to go away. Like I think, uh, cruise lines might. Um, but I do think that there's a good chance that they're greatly reduced. Um, I, I do think that sort of what they offer will have to change ever so slightly. Uh, because I think people are realizing that when it comes to some of the things they were spending uh, crazy amounts of money on before this pandemic, they're going to realize maybe they don't need to do that. And I think that's a good thing. Maybe I'm putting too much faith uh, in people and saying that, um, that that's entirely possible. But, but I think there's going to be some financial uh, habits that change pretty drastically in people as a result of the pandemic. And I think those habits will have uh, differing impacts on different industries. Right. But like, even like right now I'm looking at uh, different like flights and cruises and uh, Chris, you know, now's the time. Uh, if you want to go to the Western Caribbean uh, sailing out from Miami, you can do that for six days for $539 a person. I have never wanted to go to the Western Caribbean. Yeah, I don't either. I just picked a location. Or you can go to the Southern Caribbean for $819. Let me let me be clear. I don't mind the Western Caribbean. I have never wanted to go on a cruise. Um, yeah. it's it's uh you know, that's that's not something 
not something I'm interested in doing in the slightest. People talk always talk about the food uh, that they eat on cruises, and I'm sure it's good. But I, man, I've got a grill. I can make a steak. Uh, I, I think I make a pretty decent ribeye, and so I, I'm good. I'll uh, instead of going on a cruise, I'll go out, spend that money on some of the nicest ribeyes I can, and just you know stay inside and watch TV or movie or something. I just that that. You know, it's something, and it's it's actually a point of contention between Kelsey and me because she's been on a cruise and she loves it. Right. Uh, wants to go on another one. I I cannot stand the thought of spending a a not insignificant amount of money to go uh, sleep on a boat. Like, I just, I just, I don't understand the appeal, and maybe it's one of those things you're. Just, I, I'm just not going to understand unless I go. But I I don't want to pay that much money to find out. Right. So, but or if that doesn't really get you going, I can book a ticket right now to fly out of uh, Nashville to New York uh, for thirty-seven dollars round trip, and uh, <laughs> and be there for a week. That that's funny. That's wild. <laughs> um, granted, there's not a chance right now that I would want to be anywhere near New York State. Oh yeah, no, no, not at you all. Know, like the had, state, maybe the city, definitely not. It's a hotbed right now. So I'm looking at this map. Uh, there are 50,000 plus confirmed cases of coronavirus in the U.S. as of about an hour and a half ago. Uh, over half of those cases are in New York State. And of the cases in New York State, over half of them are in New York City. Well, of course they are. It's where yeah. the population is densest. 14,904 cases confirmed in New York City as of, uh, nope, that's 2.27 uh, p.m. So, yeah. So, before we uh, before we go, what are your plans for the next week to get you through uh, quarantine? Is there anything you're going to try and read? Anything you're going to try and accomplish? Um, I am going to find out how long I can stay in my room before people start wondering if I have passed away. In the meantime, I'm going to try to read Paul, the Apostle of the Heart Set Free, maybe, and maybe The Passionate Intellect by Alistair McGrath. Why the, uh, why the McGrath book? I, I, I know you well enough to know why the Paul book. Why the, why the McGrath book? I love Alistair McGrath. He's one of my favorite apologists. Like one of my favorite books of all time is The Dawkins Delusion by Alistair McGrath. And I love it because it's just a point by point refutation of Richard Dawkins and his nonsense. And it's by Alistair McGrath. And people don't realize this, but if I understand rightly, he has three PhDs, uh, one in theology, one in history and one in biochem. So um, he's very well equipped for that sort of thing. And that and Maybe this is just a part of my personality. I just like the way British thinkers write. Uh, McGrath is very easy for me to read. So, yeah, take that for what you will. Yeah, I, I think you should write a book entitled Dawkins and His Nonsense. I think that would uh, that would be pretty great. <laughs> uh, that, uh, well, I mean, why would I? It would just be it would just be a hundred pages or so of me saying you should really read the Dawkins Delusion by Alistair McGrath. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, it's, uh, still, that's a great book title, and it needs to not be wasted on something. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to try and dig into Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein. Um, that, that'll be the, the book I try and get done in the next week or so. Uh, Ezra Klein is the, he is the, I think he's the editor, is the founder of Vox Media. Uh, which is a fairly left-wing publication, but, you know, he was on that, uh, uh, what is it? The, it's not the Sunday sit-down. What does The Sunday special. It? Sunday special, uh, a little over a week ago now. And I thought that was engaging because you've got two guys who come from pretty ideological extremes, uh, at, at least with as far as you consider American ideology. I realize once you get outside of our country, those extremes don't seem so extreme anymore. Um, but I, I like to read things that I disagree with if they're well-written, uh, right. which uh, by all accounts, uh, Klein is very articulate. I mean, he did start a journalism site that's done well. Um, and so I'm excited to read it. Um, and I might end up marking over most of it in red, uh, where I disagree with it, if you will. But I, I think it'll be at least an engaging read. Um, and you know, I think it's particularly relevant in light of everything that's going on. Um, you know, we, uh, one of the things we hadn't talked about, and we'll spend just a second on it, uh, we've seen the polarization uh, sort of in America in a microcosm within the pathetic debate, really, that's gone on in Congress over the past uh, few days. As we're sitting here uh, on, at, on Tuesday afternoon, uh, as far as I know, the stimulus bill uh, as far as what's supposed to put money in the pockets of Americans, maybe give corporations some money that that's not passed yet. Right. Um, uh, I got an update from the daily wire. Uh, speaking of Ben Shapiro, that apparently uh, Democrats are planning on pretty well surrendering over that. But the main thing that people aren't realizing is the problem with that bill. I mean, other than questions about whether like a trial run of a universal basic income is a good thing to anyone other than the Yang gang. But um, anytime that a bill passes, you also have to say, okay, well, what else does the bill do? Because this is true of Democrats and Republicans. It's not a one-sided thing. People try to squeeze in their little things and their little pet projects and get pork, as it's called. In. And sometimes you can address that with line item vetoes, uh, other times, uh, Thomas Massey has proposed uh, making it a requirement that every bill only address one specific issue. And I don't think that's a terrible idea uh, because you can pass as many bills as you want. There's not some limit placed on Congress. But um, a lot of the grandstanding centers around, oh, well, they won't pass this bill to help people. And the other side says, well, we're not passing it because of all these things you hid in the fine print of the bill. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And of course, like you said, both sides really do have things that they want to try and get addressed in the bill that maybe don't need to be addressed at all, um, right. let alone addressed in this. And, and that's part of the problem is, uh, you know, it's, it, it's getting held up over things that don't matter um right. you know if if you wanted to score some uh pretty big political points right now and i i hate to be this cynical about it but if you wanted to score some pretty big political points right now you would pass a bill that at least puts money into the pockets of americans 
you, you know, I understand the Dems uh, have a problem with, uh, you know, bailing out large corporations over this, not wanting a repeat of 2008. Uh, and some Republicans may have that problem as well. Um, it doesn't help that some members of Congress uh, are, are actually have tested positive for coronavirus now. I think uh, Rand Paul Correct. Uh, is, is among those who have tested positive. I imagine he has something to say about this bill. Um, he usually so, does. Yeah, he, uh, he has something in any time the government's going to spend money. It's always interesting to see what he's got to say. But, uh, it, you know, it's something where I it's it's that that income, you know, for a lot of people, it's not going to make a difference one way or another because it's either not enough money to do anything or that people, are, you know, some people just aren't affected by it. And so maybe they'll be able to use it, but it's not something they necessarily need. But for some, you know, that let's say it is $1,200 per adult. Uh, I realize the exact number could change and, and different plans very wildly, but it, that $1,200 that might pay rent uh, that might make the car payment that might buy groceries for the month for some families. Like right. that's, that's not insignificant by any stretch. Um, yeah. Or even if we can just, if we can use your family as an example, Chris, uh, Let's just say the baseline kind of plan that's been thrown out, 1200 per adult, 500 per child passes. Uh, that would net you, uh, I don't want to get into too many details about your family, but that would net you $3,400. Mm-hmm. And that's not just a life-altering amount of money, but I imagine that you can cover a good deal of your monthly expenses with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's either cover monthly expenses, uh, you know, or in our case, if we're making those monthly expenses uh, anyway, you know, it's a chance to both maybe take care of uh, some yeah, debt exactly. or, or to, you know, help out others around us who are in need. Uh, right. You know, because while I'm pretty secure, uh, I, I think, and again, I, I'm not naive enough to think this can't change, but while I think I'm pretty secure right now, um, you know, I may have friends and family who aren't that, that I'm able to help in. A particular way and so i i uh, but until they pass it none of it matters like we're we're talking hypotheticals until something actually gets done um you know and that that's the frustrating thing is because once this gets done it's it's going to take i would say at minimum two weeks and probably closer to 30 days until people actually start getting money um you know because they've got a i mean they're going to have to cut a physical check uh for basically every american um, you know, and that's, that's hard. <laughs> that, that, that's not something, uh, in order to get those things done, get them sent out, get them done correctly and expedite them. That's something that's got to be done quickly. Maybe they move to some sort of online client, but then you run the risk of that being hacked and, or, uh, you know, just crashing repeatedly like the right. affordable care act site did when it first launched. Um, and so that that's the frustrating thing is this is already going to be a difficult enough task if there were no politics involved whatsoever. Right. Uh, but because this has been politicized, you know, the American people by and large feel like they've been held hostage uh, over some pretty petty issues. I, I forget the congressman's name and I don't, I honestly don't want to give him too much credit anyway, because he's, you know, a part of Congress. And so he's a part of the problem. Uh, I think it was a representative from Texas. I may be wrong on this, but he came out the other day and he said, you know, the people, the American people are looking at us and they just m- must be in amazement 
uh, over the human brain. Um, you know, how it starts working in the womb and it doesn't stop working until you get to Congress. Right. I remember that. And I, I, I can see the man's name in my mind's eye, but it just, it can't crystallize onto something solid. But, and so, you know, it's, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what ends up happening. Um, you know, it's something where if they're going to do something, they need to go ahead and get it done because it's, it's going to be such a difficult task, even without the politics that, you know, the, it, it's really a bad look too. That That's the thing that's uh, crazy to me is just how awful a look it is for, uh, for Congress, which, you know, that's a pretty high bar to do something that stands out this badly. Um, but oh yeah, no, I'm they, thrilled about it. And well, <laughs> It's, you know, we went from thinking that Congress had actually had, like this time last week, Congress was by and large on the same page. We thought, you know, Friday night, even Saturday night, that this bill was going to pass. Um, and then all of a sudden things changed and we have no idea what's going to happen. And and you mentioned that it, you know, Democrats could surrender on it and maybe Republicans make a few concessions to be sure that happens. But whatever it is, I mean, it's two more days that have passed three more days, which have passed. If it doesn't actually pass until tomorrow, which for legal reasons, it might not be able to actually do that until tomorrow, but it's three more days of holding, uh, holding people sort of hostage to the situation. Uh, and, and granted, you know, philosophical arguments aside about whether or not the government should be doing this. If the government is going to do it, it needs to go ahead and do it. Right. I'm very much in that same camp of, even if I don't think they're going to do, they should do something. If they're going to do it, they need to just, just put it in gear and get on with it. And even beyond that, I also hope every time something like this happens, there's the old saying, never let a crisis go to waste. My hope is that more and more people will start to just kind of realize, wait a minute, these people aren't working for my best interests. Uh, but that's the accelerationist in me talking, so I, I'm not going to let him out of his cage too much. He starts getting a little crazy otherwise, so that's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, well, I just I just hope that whatever ends up happening, um, you know, this I just hope this gets it over with quickly. That that's and I realize we don't really have a lot of control over it over simply. Except for simply just staying home uh, and blunting the spread the little bit that each of us can. Um, but this is, I mean, w- without, I, I mean, I don't want to offer an excuse um, to those who can do something a little bit more about the situation. But the reality is nobody wants this. Nobody asked for this. The companies that are struggling didn't want this. The companies, uh, the, the, the people who are experiencing economic hardship didn't want this. Uh, as much as we give them a hard time, and I think deservedly so in some cases at least, uh, you know, our politicians didn't want this. They didn't want to deal with this, uh, but it's here. And, you know, we, we've got to be sure we're doing the steps, taking the steps necessary uh, to be able to, if not cure it, because that's not something you or I can do, then to at least prevent it and try and help out those who, who, who are in need. So... All right, man, I'm going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Sounds like a plan to me. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time.